It's the Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. Glad to have you with us. I am Scott Beatty. Lauren Tate is here as well as we open up the first hour of the program. And we go till 6 p.m. in all. Evan Kahn will be in in the next hour. Coming up, there's a new basketball coach at Parkland College, John Bowler. Most recently at Milwaukee, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. We'll get to know him a little bit as he'll take over the reins of the Cobras and uh, get his thoughts on the junior college scene, what he wants to do here, and also having spent a year most recently in the Division I ranks. He also played there as well. So looking forward to talking with him next hour. Some Chicago sports talk with David Schuster all on the way. Happy Tuesday to you, Lauren. Yeah, happy Tuesday to you. You had some good, interesting stuff uh, we talked about before the show about the Prospects for non-revenue sports, both in uh, Los Angeles with the UCLA and USC and with the teams out all the way out to the East Coast. Uh, how are they ever going to make that? I mean, is Rutgers really going to play UCLA in a softball game? You know, I mean, I think that's the assumption at the moment, but I am not assuming that everything's going to stay put. Because, first of all, you don't know what other teams— we got two more years of things just the way they are. How are things things going to— Expand for the Big Ten yet is is one question, but everybody understands the logistics of travel for the sports uh, outside of football and basketball are more challenging. Um, and I I don't know. I, I this was a football deal, right, and yeah, a basketball absolutely. deal. So I think it's get that right and solve all the other problems later. But what is the future of non revenue sports? I'm not sure. In term, I don't, I'm just not sure what kind of model they're going to operate under in the years to come. In, in the immediate future, it's just the same. Well, I, you see a scheduling change, don't you? I mean, a schedule, you, instead of just playing all the conference schools, maybe the, maybe Illinois will want, just using Illinois as an example, maybe they'll play more schools in the neighborhood and some Big Ten schools that are close. And I don't know, uh, can... Can you see? First of all, UCLA's got some sports out there that that the Big Ten doesn't even have. Well, that's for sure. So they're they're going to be playing along along the coast there against other teams from the California. You know, the, you got the San Diego's and Riverside's and all those colleges connected. I think there's seven or eight or nine connected to Cal alone. Well, which UCLA is part of that Cal system. You know what? As an example, is beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. UCLA has it. Uh, I, I think in the fine print of some of the articles, it was mentioned that beach volleyball will not be part of the Big Ten because the Big Ten doesn't have beach volleyball <laughs> except for Nebraska. Did you be- believe it or not? Nebraska has a beach volleyball program. Okay. Okay. But um, not every—I I just wonder, does, does Nebraska, everybody— Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who does Nebraska play in beach volleyball? Well, that's a great question. I, I actually don't know the answer to that. they got to go west— to play anybody of significance. Yeah, I mean, there's some on the in you know the southeast too. You know the the coastal schools in the warmer weather states, South okay. Carolina, what okay. have you. Uh, but the point but, but is, is does you're every ba- you're now you announced baseball games for Illinois. Yeah, what's the future of Illinois baseball in terms of scheduling? You know as much as I do. You know, and we're gonna have Dan Hartlib on maybe tomorrow. Maybe he's gonna shed some light on it. But well, I suspect he's in the same boat. No, I I don't think the coaches will want to talk about it much on the air. They might yeah. talk about it privately, but um, it's it's too big a question mark, and there's too many uncertainties about finances too. I mean, 
we don't know what's going to happen five years from now down the road. I just wonder if down the road, yes, you're right. That but some the thing, of the non the thing I wanted to bring up, okay. you, we mentioned about UCLA and USC having a much greater travel costs, but that will be minor compared to the amount of money that they're going to get that they would have gotten in the in the Pac-12. They'll make twice as twice as many millions in the Big Ten at least, and then now the Pac-12 is just going to go way down. I mean, it it might go under thirty million. I would think it would, per school. Right, and that's why they're in. That's why USC and UCLA did this. Mm-hmm. They are in survival mode. Yeah, well, that's there's no doubt about that. UCLA is. I, I mean, they were going to drop some sports, mm-hmm. and they're going to try to keep them. But I don't know who they're going to play. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of teams in in California to play a lot of those sports that. That the Big Ten doesn't have, and and but I don't know what you do with baseball and softball. Do you really travel that much? Do you want to travel that much and take a, uh, an entire baseball team out there? I mean, yeah, I understand there are plane flights between here and L.A., but man, all the way from Penn State and Rutgers, and Maryland, it's not practical under the current model. Um, and then so unless they figure out how to do neutral site games or you know sort of multi-team events, but I have. Heard enough rumblings now of consideration. I don't know if it will happen, but I, I wonder if there will be regionally based schedules for certain sports that may not be entirely conference based. And then at the end of the year, you would play a Big Ten sure. tournament, a Big Ten yeah. postseason, for example. Yeah. This is all conjecture. This it is, is not. But it, certainly, it makes a lot of sense. But it, 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 in the same way that you can sit here and go, it doesn't make a lot of sense as it stands with two L.A.-based schools to ship to Penn State to play a tennis match. Well, it would only be one trip for Penn State. But think of it from the other side. Exactly. Every other weekend, <laughs> USC and UCLA are sending their teams all over the place. Yeah, as it stands right now, every school in both of those schools is 2,500 miles away from their nearest conference competitor. It's not sustainable. Now, maybe something's going to happen where, you know, Washington and Oregon are in, for example, or Stanford and Cal are in the Big Ten, and and things get shifted around. Maybe we go to some sort of super conference. Let me say something to you about Oregon. Because I know when you say Washington, in the next breath you're going to say Oregon, right? Yeah. Oregon is in the AAU. Oregon is the in the Association of American Universities, which is in uh, is a scholastic and research, and it's a, it's a group uh, of about 60-odd schools, and they are in it, and they're about 60, as I said, but they rank 80th, and Oregon State is even saying, we rank ahead of Oregon, and yet they're still in. Will they still be in? There have been stories that Oregon might not be retained in AAU, and if they're not retained in AAU, and I shouldn't say that they're going to be out. I, I don't know that, but they're on the borderline, and there are academicians in the Big Ten who really care about this. If you start to bring in a school, for instance, if you start to bring in Oklahoma into the Big Ten back in the day, about a year ago, let's say, you couldn't do it. The presidents wouldn't allow it. They're, they're not going to let anybody in that isn't in AAU, and they only let Nebraska in because they were in AAU at the time. They have since been booted. <laughs> so you know that's true, that, but that when it gets around to, when it comes down to it, they are the the uh, 
academicians make this decision. They, the presidents and the chancellors make the decision on who comes in, not the athletic directors, not the commissioner. Why? I, I, this is an honest question. I've never, I've always heard that that's a consideration. I've never asked the question, why? Why do they care? What impact does it have, the academic standing of a school on the field? They they work very closely together on a lot of policies related to education, higher education, and they care about who's in that room with them. You're not going to get, they're not going to accept Louisville in this conference unless Louisville shows more interest in academics. They're not going to let, well, first of all, there are numbers, Oregon State's not in it. Washington State's not in it. We're not going to see Oregon State or Washington State in the Big Ten for that reason. Mm -hmm. The Big Ten is the snootiest of all the, of all the conferences. I Easily does, the snootiest. It does make sense that if your academic standards are so low that it doesn't really, anybody can get in and, and, and be in the school, that would give those schools competitive advantages. You know, if, if, if Florida State can sign anybody that can play football and it doesn't matter if they could spell, I suppose that's a huge competitive advantage. There's not really a balance there. Well, but it, it, I don't know. why. It it, it's not for you and I to decide this. This is I just know. a fact of life that we have to live with. And the Big Ten, every single member of the Big Ten is in the AAU except Nebraska. For instance, we're not going to take Syracuse. They're not in it. We're not going to take Iowa State. They're not in it. Forget those schools ever being Big Ten. They, well, so Nebraska, they're just nice, so that's why we let them stay. No, no. They were, they were in the AAU when they were taken in, and then they were dropped later. I don't think the Big Ten would ever drop somebody like that, but Nebraska would not have gotten in if they had been out of the AAU at the time. To answer your question about Nebraska Beach Volleyball, they uh, played a multi-team event in Jacksonville, Florida this year. Yeah. Uh, they actually hosted a couple of t uh, smaller programs in at home, and then they had another—this could be tough. This would be tough if you're one of these players. They had a trip to Honolulu. Sure. And then to Northridge, California, and then Irvine, California. That was—those were their trips. So— there's not a ton that happens there in Lincoln. And I'm told what, here a texter t tells us that Eastern Illinois has a beach volleyball program. Okay. Who do? Who do they play? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you would ask that, I mean, wouldn't it's you? great. But, and what time of the year do, uh, do they play? I mean, <laughs> you're going to go take in a game? <laughs> well, no, but I just want to know about their dress. I mean, they're usually, usually those things are pretty skimpy. I think you need some warm weather to play in. You can't go indoors, can you? You got to well, play on I the beach. I don't know. Maybe they have it. Where's the beach? In, in well, they played in Chattanooga, Richmond, Kentucky, Clarksville, Tennessee, all in March and April. So there must be indoor facilities. You okay. can put sand well, down. That's not beach then. Well, it's sand. Okay. They got sand indoor. Okay. <laughs> I'm wrong again. <laughs> but I want to say one more thing. Go ahead. The Big 12, as it currently stands, this is important now. The Big 12, as it currently stands, has two teams in the AAU. Texas, which is gone, and Kansas. 
In other words, the only team that the Big Ten could take in the entire Big 12, in the entire Big 12, is Kansas. Unless Texas changed their mind, we'd take I would have thought like Texas Tech or a TCU. No, sir. No, sir. When, when Iowa State dropped, there were two left. This Remember, there are only 60 total, and a bunch of them are, are you know, from California. And as a big of a brand as Kansas carries nationally with basketball, mm-hmm. football is at the moment still not nothing, and I don't think it gets you a, a big enough media market to generate enough interest for the Big Ten. Oh, what would that do? doesn't. And what, It'd be and, some compelling what basketball. Gonna, what are you going to do about Stanford? What are you going to do about Stanford? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're out there, and, you know, they're um, they're in the AAU. I mean, that's in the San Francisco yeah. Bay Area market, yeah, but I it's know. not a huge so alumni Cal. base. Yeah. Cal's obviously bigger. But they're not attending very well at either Cal right. or Stanford. Small school in Stanford. Stanford's kind of like Northwestern in that way, right? And by the way, UCLA doesn't draw because they're so far from the Rose Bowl. They play their home games. It's an hour to the game for the students. Well, the traffic around there. <laughs> Makes a difference. Sports Talk is off and running here on this Tuesday. And want to remind you that Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Deadly Sins That Could Wreck Your Life Plan. Join Thorpe Facer and Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center Wednesday, July 13th, which happens to be tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Reserve your space by calling Facer Law Office 337-1111. That's 337-1111. Um, I want to play uh, some sound for you, Lauren, and get your reaction uh, from Coleman Hawkins. Turn to basketball when we come back. Yeah, I, okay, I think I heard it. Go ahead. Well, well, I'll du- Posi- I'll make double sure you heard positionless it. Positionless basketball. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. yeah okay, okay, I heard it. We'll talk about it tomorrow oh, when we come back. Hi, it's Len Casper. Tune in tonight for White Sox baseball here on News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety three nine FM. Sports Talk, we're going to visit with John Bowler, new head coach of Parkland men's basketball, coming up in a few minutes. Lauren Tate and I are here with you for this hour. Evan's in next hour, and uh, David Schuster is coming up as well. All right, I, I kept trying to get to this audio uh, yesterday, Lauren, and I finally got to it at the end of our hour yesterday and really didn't have time to process it. So I'm going to play it again. And I want to hear your reaction. This is Coleman Hawkins, a line of basketball player. He was on a podcast called The Sleepers. And they cover, uh, they're kind of Michigan-centric, as mm-hmm. far as I know. They're out of Detroit. I yeah. listened to it. Yeah. So here, here's, he talked about a bunch of different things. But here was his, he was asked about Illinois' relative dominance in the Big Ten and then early exits back-to-back in March in the NCAA tournaments. If, if we're being real games. Um, so you guys have obviously had the big 10 success, right? Like you've been the best program for the last three years, bar none, no question. Why has that not translated to March? Because that's the one thing like my fan base can still hold over your heads. Is it just that it's fluky? Like any random team can win any random one game. No. Um, if, if we're being real, um, I truly believe that it's because in Big Ten play, we get a, away with a lot of, um, like I said, the, the the traditional offense that we ran for three years. Um, you know, people t- 
people tag every um, every team in the Big Ten's tagging. You know, we come off the ball screen. We either have the roller or the shake behind for the three. Um, and that's Big Ten play, basically. Uh, and we were able to get away with that throughout the year. But once we, once we see teams not doing those things and uh, teams doing different defenses and switching everything, I don't think we truly had like a real counter or a change in our offense. So I think when we play a team like Houston, who just can guard and do different things uh, with their guys, I think um, I think we always get popped in the mouth. Even preseason, we lost to Cincinnati, uh, Marquette. It was something different, and and um, it, it was something different. And, and teams had an answer for us. We didn't have an answer for them. But Big Ten play, we always have an answer for the team. And um, we've been playing the team every single year, and we know exactly what they do every year. Uh, and then when we get out of it, um, it's just like the same thing. It's a lot harder for teams to do what they do when they're it's gonna be a lot harder for teams to do what they do when they're and when it's not big ten play and it's you know, and so yeah, so that's that's my answer to it. It could be wrong, but that's if if you really paid attention, I think you could uh, probably agree with me. So, all right. So there's Coleman Hawkins. I think he's got a point there. I uh, the first thing I would say is you can't expect to continue to win NCAA basketball games with fifty some points. If you score in the fifties, you're going to get beat, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they've been doing. Unless you're playing Wisconsin. Well, um, yeah, okay. It's, a, it's a, but, somewhat yeah. of a joke. I understand, but the, I I just think that first of all, this year, Houston was tremendously underrated. They were much better. They were a better basketball team in Illinois any day of the week. Mm -hmm. They were better. Mm -hmm. So what makes we think we should beat them? And and they had. You talk about uh, uh, switching defense. They could do it. They had physical, athletic guys at every position. They were better than Illinois, clearly. Mm -hmm. The other thing, going back a year, I can't. I, after watching that, I've, I've watched it, and I can't understand what happened to Io a year ago. It was easily the worst game of his last two years, and he was terrible. Yeah, he had five turnovers. He he allowed five baskets behind him. I mean, he 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 just had a terrible game. I, I mean, against Loyola, I know he wanted to play well, and he's a great player, and he's one of the, the greatest finisher I think Illinois ever had. But in that one game, he was ordinary, or worse, and I can't explain it. And I'm not picking on him. I'm just that's that's I'm just telling you what happened. And uh, I think the point that uh, that Coleman makes is is that our offense. Isn't as hasn't been as effective in these games is is right on. I mean, offensively we just not we're not scoring, we're not breaking them down. I think there's more tools in the toolbox this year. The tools you had last year, last two years, even three years, were really good tools. Uh, but I almost think of it like a Swiss Army knife. And, you know, there's different kinds of Swiss Army knives. And and maybe there's only three or four options 
you know, in this knife, but this knife has six, seven, eight knife, you know, options. I think there's more options in this knife now, but those pieces have to work together. They have to figure out what they're doing this year and, and the chemistry and all that. And that that can only go so f- you can only do so much in the off season as a team to get to a point, even with veteran players that you've brought in out of the portal, but you got young guards and one of them is coming off an injury. I think it's it's just going to be a work in progress through the year of a talented team, but will they function on all cylinders? I don't think that's going to happen until January, February. That's that's a reasonable approach. I mean, I can see why you'd say that. I don't I don't know how the thing that you have to remember about uh, Shannon and Meyer is that they were not the primary players for their teams. They were not. Mm-hmm. They were ten point scorers. Last couple of years, and that's fine. They were good additions, good part of the team, but they were not leaders, at least not leader leading scores. Let's put it that way. And so they're going to have to pick up the scoring uh, here. They're going to. I think that's why they're here. I think that they feel that they will be off, uh, emphasized offensively under Underwood, and uh, and I think they feel like they'll get more minutes here. Sure. I I just think there's a wider range of where this this basketball team could end up. I oh, wouldn't yeah. be surprised if the regular season record is worse and the postseason goes much further. Sure. Wouldn't I'll take s- much to go much further, would it? Well, that's true. <laughs> the um, only trouble if you have a bad season is you, is you have to play really good teams right off the bat. That's true. And that, and that, that makes it hard to go further. <laughs> I, yes, I, I grant you that. But um, to Coleman Hawkins' point, there was maybe some limitations in the postseason that he was pointing out, and that is we didn't have a counter to the counter. We did have a counter to the counter in Big Ten play. We did not have it in the NCAA tournaments or in non-conference play, for that matter, especially this past year. But it also doesn't help when your star doesn't play well. well <laughs> it doesn't those, help if you're just you're well, outmanned. If you go back and look at the injuries Illinois had and the short, not only injuries, but they have one of those early games – Kofi wasn't there that that they lost. I mean, you couldn't blame it on the, on him in that one. <laughs> well, you had everything that could go wrong mm-hmm. went wrong last year. That's right, and, and they, they won, still and won, they won the, the Big Ten. They still won the stinking <laughs> conference. So I'm not ragging on them. I'm just pointing out what Coleman Hawkins is pointing out is I'm talking about his perspective on March. This is a, and and he may also made a comment in that same interview. He said we're going to emphasize March this year much more. We're going to point toward March. Okay, how do you do that? You just try to win the games you go along. When March gets here, you try to win those two. I mean, there's no way to emphasize March. You can do it in your head. I'm, you know, I can't wait till March. Okay, what are you going to do this week? We're playing Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> you beat Michigan. Yeah, beat Michigan. That's the way to prepare for March. Uh, I think there's some Illini fans that almost would rather beat Michigan (laughs) (laughs) than win in March. Speaking of Michigan, we haven't talked about Gary Moeller very much. Yeah, what do you remember about him? Oh, well, he was a complete 100% football guy. Most people know, but he was... I don't think he knew who the president was. I don't think he knew who Putin was. I don't think, you know, I'm exaggerating, but I'm serious. He was a 100% football guy. Illini head coach in the late 70s. Let go and went to Michigan. He was an assistant there, and uh, uh, what succeeded Schembechler? Is yeah. that right? And then it went to Lloyd Carr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he was he was uh, Schembechler's assistant. Yep. And when Schembechler, I believe, had a heart attack or had heart surgery, 
He coached a bowl game and won it, I believe, for Michigan. So he was the number one uh, assistant for Schimbeckler. And we hired him because Schimbeckler had just worked miracles for Michigan. And we thought that maybe he would carry on. <laughs> we need Keith Jackson. And you know what the problem here. was? Bo Schembechler. You know what the problem was? What? One word. You want, you want to guess what that word, word was? Recruiting. Yeah. He couldn't recruit. You, all those great players that came to Michigan, they didn't come to Illinois. And he was not near. He was so intent on every Saturday that he wouldn't even let his assistant coaches go out on Friday night to watch high school games when they needed to be out there bringing players in. And then they got a recruiter in Mike White. Yes, he did. And he brought half of California with him. And you know that Mike White had a – he had been at – of course, he played at Cal, coached at Stanford, coached at Cal. And when he came here, he had so many contacts in the junior college ranks out there. And the junior colleges in California are overwhelmingly different than they are in this – part of the country these are not these are guys that are they go there for two years to play and learn and then and go on to college i mean it's this is a story for college now it's the same here but i'm talking about athletes i'm talking about a lot of really good athletes out there who were good students too and could get in the university of illinois and he didn't go out there to, to get them. He had his own people back there. He called them and said, send them out here, and they did. That's how strong he was at that particular time. By the way, we're going to have him on Saturday on Sportsline, oh. Mike. But anyway, uh, it was a case of, uh, of recruiting that we couldn't sustain. There's no way the University of Illinois could ever sustain recruiting in California. And that's why it, wasn't, it was unsustainable. In the time we've been talking here, we've uh, received a few texts here on uh, beach volleyball. So there's apparently okay. a following amongst our Absolutely. texters. So Absolutely. I, I've gotten the, uh, I've been sent the entire power rankings list. Uh, okay. We've been uh, sent information about other schools that that, that play it. Are this um, male or female? Uh, women. Yeah. Okay. Female. It's not not male. There's no, there's is there no more, uh, beach volleyball for men? I don't think so. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. Let's not speak out a turn. But you know who's a uh, uh, ha- is a very good volleyball player is uh, a player in South Carolina, and her father is Illinois' pitching coach. University of South Carolina uh, Gamecock uh, has uh, Mark Allen's daughter on their, okay. on their rosters, and she's a very good player, very highly decorated. So there's a bit of a following for it. But you mentioned junior college. What a great segue. <laughs> we'll talk to John Bowler, new Parkland men's head basketball coach, coming at us next. Back on to Sports Talk. Earlier today, Parkland College announced the hiring of John Bowler as their new head coach of the men's basketball program. He succeeds Anthony Figueroa, who is departing for North Central College in Naperville. Bowler, most recently assistant at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, previously at Des Moines Area Community College and is a Chicago native. That's just some of what's there in the bio. Pleased to do a little bit of an introduction with John Bowler. John, congratulations and welcome to Champaign, or in the future we say welcome to once you get down here, if you're not down here yet. 
No, I'm I'm officially down here. I think I'm on day two now, so about 48 hours of, of being here. So good stuff so far. I appreciate you all having me on. Sure thing. Well, obviously, Parkland College has a, a strong reputation in the junior college ranks, and you're familiar with it having uh, coached at those ranks as well as Division One four-year basketball. So what drew you back to the, uh, to this level? You know, uh, I've had a background a little bit of, uh, you know, that, that Division Two level first when I first got into college coaching after playing, and, and then I was at DMAC for a long time and, and five years and did, did the Division One stuff for three, and I think it was time for me to become a head coach again. Um, I saw Parkland had opened up, and when I was at DMAC, we always kind of knew Parkland was a team that, was was really successful and they had an opportunity to see us in the national tournament or we had an opportunity to play them so um you know it was always something that intrigued me and coach Figueroa did a just a heck of a job and they've had sustained success and it's something that was just really really attractive and I'm I'm the type of guy who's a multiple hat person I like doing a lot of things uh at the institution I like having close relationships uh with players I recruit and coach and coaches I work with and faculty so this level kind of allows you to do that in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're doing a little bit more than, than just basketball, right? Yeah, you know, the, the title is uh, Assistant Athletic Director, Academic Advisor, and Men's Basketball Coach. And, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately at this level, they don't they don't allow coaches just to coach. You know, they, they got to do a few different things and wear a couple hats. But, you know, I, I personally, I, I kind of thrive in that. I really enjoy that stuff. I like helping kids uh, move on. I like helping kids get their get their degrees, whether they're an associate's or a bachelor's, um, in a lot of ways. So uh, it just fits me being at this level and this position is is kind of really really exciting to me for for more than one reason. John, this is Lauren. Uh, what can you provide for athletes in terms of aid? Uh, do you do you mean financially or just well, I'm, I'm scholarship? I mean scholarship aid. Are, are are you able to do? Uh, can they get parcels? Can they, what what can you do in that regard? Yeah, so we can at our level, Division Two Junior College, we can cover tuition and fees. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, we can cover books as well, um, depending depending on the situation. Um, we can split those scholarships up into parcels as well. If if we were able to maybe cover one semester or, or both, um, it just depends on each individual kid we recruit and kind of where their situation's at. Um, yeah. Go ahead. How how far uh, do you consider? How far out would you want to recruit? I mean, I know that you when you take a guy locally here, he would maybe live at home. But uh, would you be a? Could you bring anybody from Wisconsin, for example? I mean, is that is that reasonable? Yeah, you know, it's definitely reasonable. I think I think our big thing here is we've had. We've seen some success in Central Illinois. Um, we've seen some success in Indianapolis and Indiana, which is obviously fairly local for us. Um, we see that kids uh, understand and know the tradition that goes along with Parkland from those areas. So I think those are the kids most excited to be here. But from my perspective, I'm I'm ready to recruit wherever. If we can get if we can get kids from Wisconsin, let's let's bring them down if they can play. You know, if, if they're bought in. Um, the biggest thing that I look for is just toughness and investment if they're going to invest in being a part of the team if they're going to invest in trying to win games then we're going to want them here no matter where they're from and what do you have coming back from the, from the uh, this past year 
So that's, uh, that's a little bit of the task that we have. Um, um, we're losing four guys that were really good players for us uh, at a high level um, that were, you know, guys that helped them get to the national tournament. We bring back Sean Ely. He'll, uh, he'll be our kind of our focal point uh, in a lot of ways. You know, he's a double-digit scorer from last year's team that made the national tournament. Um, we have a couple transfers coming in, but we're going to really, really focus heavily on our freshman class. Um, we have some guys that were All-State, I, I believe three or four All-State players, um, one from Washington High School, two from Decatur, and one from Springfield Lanphier that are just guys that we can really build a foundation on for the next two years. And we're going to expect a lot from them early, um, and I think I think they're going to be able to deliver a lot. We're talking with John Bowler, who is the new men's basketball coach at Parkland College. Uh, but you're familiar with this level, as, as we mentioned. Uh, you're always losing half your roster, essentially. You're in and you're out at, at this level. What's what's this? What's the key to replenishing and sustained success? Because Parkland, as well as DMAC and other places, have the ability to do that. How do you do it? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is just you know wanting wanting to work. You know, Figueroa, Coach Fig did a great job here. You know, he was constantly working, constantly out. I know I was trying to beat him out a lot of times for kids uh, when I was at DMAC. And, and, you know, he won some battles and I won some battles when it came to recruiting. But a lot of it's just getting out, working, looking for the right kids, looking for the right fits for our program. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is placement as well. Like, if we, can, if we can get guys placed at the right level after this and, and, we, and we're, we win games, um, guys are gonna guys are gonna want to come here and play if they see kids move on, and they've done an excellent job of letting kids move on. I know Yakima Rose is at Eastern Illinois, and you know uh, the uh, Rivers from the team last year is going to Tiffin this year. Um, they've had multiple guys move on to Division One, Division Two levels. I just want to continue to build on that success and continue to compete every day for a national championship, and that's that's got to be our goal here, and that'll that'll continue. To, sustain that success do you have a particular uh, flavor of basketball you want to play or do you adapt year in and year out um a lot of a lot of my game is going to be uh, a little bit catered to who we have um but with that being said there's there's a few things that are my absolute gotta have and that's toughness and competitiveness mm -hmm. i think you know mid midwest Midwest people and fans of, of programs, they want to see guys who are tough. You can see it in Illinois' program now. Um, kids who are tough and they play hard and they do things the right way, the fans really respond to that. The city's going to get behind it and people are going to come on and watch us play. Um, offensively, we're going to have some pace and, and uh, we're going to move the ball. We're going to try to try to score at a high volume, but our anchor is going to be on the defensive end. We're going to try to pressure the ball when we can. We're going to try to protect our paint. Um, and we're going to just try to have the toughest team for 40 minutes every night. You're a Chicago area guy. Did you um, ever imagine yourself being down in Champaign? Uh, I did when I was younger. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Illinois did not recruit me. I committed early to Eastern Michigan. Um, but, you know, I've had tons of friends, and, and my cousin actually went to the University of Illinois. and I, I've just had quite a few random connections that you start to find out more and more and more as you – you know, unravel and tell people, hey, you know, I'm moving to Champaign and working at Parkland, and they just speak so much great things about the school and about the area and, you know, the fond memories that they have of when they lived here. So, you know, I, I never actually never actually thought I'd be here, but I couldn't be happier to be here now, and I got a 
I got a, a bunch of great restaurant recommendations that I got to hit up for. <laughs> well, John, uh, after Eastern Michigan, I see where you spent six years in Germany. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was I was pretty lucky. I was fortunate. When I went to Eastern Michigan my senior year, I had a really great year. You know, obviously, uh, you know, statistically, I had some good years. But uh, my senior year really popped. I led the Mid-American Conference in scoring and rebounding, averaging 20 and 11. Um, and I had an opportunity to, to, to get some NBA workouts. I went to Portsmouth. I did the NBA thing a little bit. And I had an offer to play for a really good team in, in Germany, Telecom Baskets Bonn. Um, and I ended up taking it. I stayed there for four years. It was just a great situation and uh, ended up getting another two-year contract. And I was going to play till the wheels fell off, but they fell off quick, man. So I had, a, had a couple had a couple knee injuries, a couple knee surgeries, and uh, decided to hang it up and get into this coaching thing. So, well, welcome to town, uh, John John Bowler, and we wish you all the best as you get up to speed here quick and get your guys going because uh, November comes pretty quick here, even though we're four months out. So, wanted to get to know you a little bit. We'd be glad to talk to you again down the future. I know you talked with Colin, our colleague from the News Gazette, as well. Yeah, you know, it was it was an awesome conversation we had earlier, and I appreciate, once again, you guys having me on and look forward to continue to have some success in here. Look forward to meeting you guys in person someday, too. We'll, we'll be happy to. Take care, John. Okay, John. Thank you very much. John Bowler, new head coach for Parkland men's basketball, also once spent some time at Delta State down yep. in Mississippi. and uh, Yep, and Des Moines. Yep, and Grant Thompson pointed out that they have the fighting okra there in at Delta State. It's their mascot. Okay. Did not know that. Scares me. <laughs> Okra is usually not that dangerous. <laughs> Maybe not that palatable, but, well, just depends on your, your, your palate, I guess. We'll be right back on Sports Talk. Texter asks this question of, I guess, you, Lauren, because we were talking about AAU schools earlier yeah. and who would qualify to get into the Big Ten. They say Notre Dame is not on the list. Yeah, they're, the one that may, they're the one that would be accepted anyway. <laughs> is that it, be- isn't, it isn't because they're not a good school. They're just not in it. I mean, they're a fine school. Oh, yeah. I think everybody realizes they're no, good they, academics. No, that's. I'm glad he brought that up because I should have mentioned that, that they are the one school that would not, that, that would not matter. We'd take them in a second. Would they take us? I don't think We're so. We're nice people. I don't think they're going to do it. They're nice people. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Scott Docterman to join us tomorrow. Oh, great. Maybe okay. he'll sort this all out for okay. us. Okay. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM.